Welcome everyone to the next episode of the Light of Life podcast. I'm your host, Naomi, and today I'm here with Emily. Emily, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, Naomi. Thanks for having me today. I'm excited to be here. My name is Emily Earhart, and I am the Regional Development Manager for the Adult Congenital Heart Association, and I am a congenital heart disease patient myself. Thank you, Emily, for wanting to come on my podcast today. Uh, and yes, um, the Adult Congenital Heart Association is a wonderful organization uh, to spread awareness about adult congenital heart disease. Um, congenital means um, you're born with a heart condition. It's it's something you're born with. And um, so we're going to uh, talk about uh, that today and spread some awareness. <laughs> All right, Emily. So the first question I have for you is, what heart condition were you born with? I was born with a, a complex congenital heart defect called Schoen's syndrome or Schoen's complex, um, which consists of multiple left-sided heart defects. So I had a um, an aortic coarctation, which means like the main um, vessel coming out of the heart um, was kind of kinked like a garden hose for me. Um, and then I also had a bicuspid aortic valve, which means my aortic valve um, had two leaflets instead of three. Um, and then my mitral valve was a parachute mitral valve, which means it didn't open all the way because it kind of had some strings holding it back. Um, I've, I've had four open heart surgeries um, over the course of my life, um, which have all like repaired um, all of those defects. Um, so I currently uh, don't have any of those defects anymore. And instead I have two mechanical valves um, in the uh, aortic and mechanical uh, and mitral spot. Um, and um, I'm, I'm living a really great, vibrant, thriving life now, um, despite having gone through a lot of surgeries and procedures. Um, but I'm, I'm so excited to, to be here and to be doing, um, to, to have benefited from uh, all the advances in cardiac surgery and in cardiology throughout the last few decades. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, technology in medicine advancing has really benefited uh, this generation. Uh, to live uh, a life. And um, what advice would you give to people who have chronic illnesses or have had surgery? Yeah, I think, I think the thing with chronic illness that is hard is that um, there's no definitive end to whatever, you know, struggle you're facing. And I think that's the thing that's really daunting and kind of can be overwhelming and scary is not knowing when the next procedure is going to be or not knowing when the next, you know, episode might be, um, depending what what kind of disease or illness you have. And I, I've always felt like congenital heart disease is like a roller coaster, you know, you, you, it has these highs and lows, and you have these times when you're just doing really great, and no one in the world would think anything is wrong with you. And then other times where, you know, you're not able to do anything that anybody else is doing. I remember when I was going into heart failure, um, when I was 30 years old, all my friends were getting married and having kids and their per their professional careers were taking off. And I ha I spent like three years just in and out of hospitals and, and not able to to like even do laundry, you know, like let alone start a, a career or a family. Um, and it was really disheartening to feel like so behind. Um, but here I am, you know, five years later and uh, I'm doing so well working full time. And um, 
it's it's just I think it's the back and forth, the kind of yo-yo of chronic illness that can feel really isolating and overwhelming. And my advice to people who face that and, and feel that um, are that one, you're not alone. There's so many other people out there, whether it's heart disease or some other kind of chronic illness, there are so many other people that um, that know what you're going through. And so I recommend you reach out and connect to people in, in your community. Um, and, and then um, I think the second most important thing that I would say is um, to find what your reason is to keep having hope and to always know that it's whatever moment you're in right now is not forever. And, and finding what that light at the end of the tunnel is for you. Um, I think hope and optimism really go a long way in, in fighting chronic illness. And so um, whatever that might be, if it's your family, if it's your kids, it's your hope for some future goal, um, or if it's the hope for that next like in and out milkshake or something like little or uh, big or small, um, we all, um, you know, are going to succeed a lot better when we have have hope and optimism for the future. That is so inspiring. And uh, your story uh, reminded me of uh, my own experience as well. Uh, I've always tried to like have a lot of optimism about my 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 heart condition, um, even when I was in heart failure, which was also five years ago. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, we weren't sure what was going to happen. I, I I almost had to like be put on the list for a heart transplant, but that didn't happen. And we found out I could just have another open heart surgery. Uh, but it was really scary at that time. And, uh, and, and, and it was, and it was difficult. I'm, I, I gotta be honest. It was really difficult for me to stay positive about it because like my health was declining every day. Um, but once I was given this, I, I, I always call it, it was like, this has just been like a second chance at life for me to live. And it's just, it's just absolutely, it's changed my perspective of my heart condition. And uh, I, I feel like it's, I, 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 I feel very grateful for it. <laughs> That's wonderful. That's so great. Mm -hmm. I think that is one of the kind of hidden blessings or silver linings of chronic illness is the perspective it, it gives you. I think um, it does it does make us all as individuals grateful for those those moments of good health. And um, we certainly don't take those those moments of good health for granted. And um, I think that's something that most of the population probably doesn't have. Um, and so it can be seen, I think, as, as a bit of a gift, you know? Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, like you said, you know, don't, I, I don't take anything for granted because, uh, there was like so many, like, like most, there were most things I was, I wasn't even able to do, um, e even like walking. And, um, so being able to have that, those opportunities to, to be able to, uh, walk. <laughs> it's just been so liberating, and I'm, and I'm, and and have you felt that way too? Yeah, definitely. I think, um, absolutely. I think, I think that what you you said, even just like uh, I acknowledging something as simple as walking, as seeing the joy and pleasure in that. I think it's the 
it's it's living in the moment and in the present and and really savoring the little things in life and um i i think um i think that goes a long way towards positive outcomes and longevity is being able to to live in the moment and it it helps you manage your stress levels better i think it's it's better for you know mindfulness as well and um it just it really it really goes a long way along with humor humor was actually going to be the other bit i i meant to add to my advice i think um having have, being able to you know find the humor and make light of of not make light of things but you know like yeah. make things not as heavy can, it can really make the burden a little more bearable um doesn't mean you have to pretend or cover up what you're feeling i think it's important to acknowledge our emotions and our feelings and to like let yourself be angry let yourself be sad yeah. you know allow yourself to cry um process those emotions but then being able to like lift yourself up and humor humor is such an incredible medicine for that yeah you know um that that really reminded me of uh you know i've been uh it, it it was a very stressful and chaotic year when i was in heart failure and i'm sure for you too and uh there were a lot of moments of sadness and anger frustration confusion like not being able to understand why th this was all happening and so quickly um and uh i've i've reflected like being able to reflect back on those years and then um you know it was, it was so um it was so uh interesting for me to hear um that um i um th i th the the reason why i felt sad and angry and um ups like just upset about the situation is because like we weren't we weren't sure if i was going to survive and so um i want people to I want people to under, understand, you know, like, uh, how, how, how you feel about the situation is valid. Um, I, I, absolutely. You're, you're allowed to be angry about it. You're allowed to be sad about it. You're allowed to just, um, you're, you're allowed to feel those emotions. And, um, I, and, um, it, it, it was difficult, uh, to like, um, to, to really like, try at, because because um because because I was so sick it was it was it was very difficult to stay positive I mean it really was a challenge um but I think um just learning how to manage your stress is is so important and it will actually help you uh uh um like like realize that uh uh that uh you're um that that there's hope <laughs> mm -hmm. absolutely i think i think you bring up a really good point which is that um while we often when we're battling our chronic illness we're so focused on our yeah. physical health and our physical wellness but like our mental health and our mental wellness and like you said managing our stress levels are so key and fundamental i think to being able to be strong um for you know for our bodies to be strong and to fight what they're going through and so just as important and it's something that i think a lot of a lot of 
uh, doctors, you know, it's not part of the treatment plans because it's not, yeah. you know, it's not part of their purview, but I, that doesn't mean that it's not like critical to you as a patient to, to really, um, to take care of your mental health and well-being, and, and, and yeah, whether, whether or not it's, it's depression, which I know there's some you know, there's data out there that show like heart patients after having heart surgery, uh, a really high percentage have depression um, after surgery just because of, you know, the bypass machine and all the, the medications and chemicals and stuff. Um, it's not uncommon. And it's, I think it's really important to destigmatize any kind of like um, mental health issues that that chronic illness patients face because it's just as important and vital to address and take care of, whether it's depression or anxiety or PTSD. I think um, managing that will help you be more successful in in your in your your battle with your chronic illness physically. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um this like this whole experience and um since uh having uh, more energy for the last five years has really made me realize um, mental health is just as important as physical health mm-hmm. um, because I experienced uh, a lot of PTSD after my surgery and I wasn't and I and I and, and it was so confusing to me because I didn't realize uh, well, well I didn't understand uh, why I was still having flashbacks about the hospital when I'm when when I'm not like in real life experiencing that anymore and so um but then um I it, it's it's um the um it, it's just like dawned on me like this last year just that I realized like mental health is just as important as physical health I want everyone to 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 really uh understand that uh it, it's so important uh to take care of both your mind and your physical body <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the two impact each other they're they're connected yeah so mm-hmm. yeah so um emily um you're the regional development manager of the adult congenital heart association and um i'm curious uh when did you get involved and when did you become the regional development manager <laughs> Yeah. Um, so I, I first found out about the Adult Congenital Heart Association right after my last um, open heart surgery. I was, I was looking for that community of people who, who could, I could identify with and who had gone through what I went through. Um, and I first learned about um, the Adult Congenital Heart Association through their walk series, which, is, which are called the Walk for One in 100. And um, I got involved um, in the walks program in 2018. And I started volunteering with them, um, with the walk. Um, and then I found out about their peer mentorship program, which is kind of their flagship, um, program, um, that provides one-on-one peer support to both patient and family members, um, anywhere in the country. Um, and so I, I applied to that and I became a, a volunteer peer mentor for um, about a year. And then um, after that was when they um, they started, they uh, hired, were hiring for um, a position, a staff position in, in California, which is where I'm from. So um, I applied and lo and behold, here I am um, about four years later, I've been uh, working with, um, you know, basically doing community outreach and fundraising and um, regional development. Um, 
for adult the Adult Congenital Heart Association, and I love it. It's it's been such fulfilling and rewarding work to help um, support um, the CHD community, to bring awareness to the CHD community, um, and to and to really help the CHD community thrive as well as drive help drive. Um, access to care and um, the standard of care across um, the medical landscape as well. Um, so it's it's really exciting. ACHA is is a really unique organization um, because it is both kind of uh, a hybrid patient and medical professional association. So we have a medical advisory board that um, helps drives a lot of the um, the research grants that we do, as well as oversees our accreditation program. Um, and and then, but then we're also very fundamentally a patient advocacy organization and provide a lot of educational resources and support to patients. And what I just love, and I feel like this has always been the case, is that um, ACHA represents how the CHD community is really a partnership between patients and providers. And I don't know about you, but like, um, I've always had a really close bond with my doctors. I mean, my, my pediatric cardiologist came to my wedding. He's like a, another dad to me, you know, um, we just, I, we form because it is a lifelong, you know, care that we get, we, we have, we establish these really um, deep connections with our medical providers and all of the medical providers that I've met in congenital heart disease world are very invested in their patients. I mean, just heavily invested and connected with their patients. And so it's wonderful for, for ACHA to be a place where um, the two can come together and work together to not only support the patient, but to drive the whole field of congenital heart disease forward. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I found out about the Adult Congenital Heart Association, I think about um, a year and a half ago. And um, I've participated in the walkathons. Uh, and um, so in addition to uh, walkathons to spread awareness for uh, adult congenital heart disease, um, what else has ACHA done to create awareness? Yeah, um, so we have um, several uh, awareness campaigns that we do uh, year round. You know, our biggest one is in February, which is Heart Month, of course. Um, and so we've we've really shifted a lot of our uh, marketing and promotion um, to to digital platforms and social media. So so we have um, you know a lot of online campaigns to raise awareness for CHD. Um, but then in addition to that, um, we provide um, a very uh, robust educational program of webinars, which um, are, um, you know, on a range on a broad spectrum of top, top excuse me, topics from um, defect specific to, um, you know, pregnancy or family planning or um, exercise, um, all sort all all sorts of uh, different topics we have um, a webinar library that's a great free online resource for anybody um, seeking for information um, we also have as part of our educational resources a lot of like q a um, fact sheets um, all of it online and just recently a whole lot of them are also available in spanish now too which is really exciting um, 
And so we're trying to, um, at this point, we're really trying to get all of these uh, resources that we've developed into the hands of more people. And so um, part of my job now as a regional development manager is, is connecting with a lot of uh, providers all across the country, um, getting our, our flyers and our resources into more clinics and uh, spreading more um, specific information about congenital heart disease, because there are still so many people who have congenital heart disease, which, you know, is the number one birth defect. One in 100 babies are born with CHD. Um, the majority of those people, um, if they're in care, they're seeing a general cardiologist, which for a lot of them, they might need an extra layer mm -hmm. of, of, of specialization, um, long-term long speaking. Um, but then there's also just a huge percentage that aren't even in care at all. Um, people who have a surgery when they're an infant and are often told that they're fixed, but the reality is we're never 100% fixed. Um, we do unfortunately age, our hearts get older, and um, there's, there's gonna be kind of long-term um, implications. It doesn't mean it has to be a negative thing. It just means people should be proactive in taking care of themselves yeah. and their heart. Um, and so that's the messaging that we try to really share and spread um, in addition to the more general awareness campaigns that we run um, across uh, all our social media platforms. Yeah, um, th th that is so important to, uh, that is a very important message uh, to spread uh, to just to make sure that uh, your heart is healthy throughout your life uh, <laughs> uh, because, because you never know you never know when um you may need another surgery. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah and you don't want to be in the middle of a health crisis when you need to find a doctor who's the right doctor for your heart, you know? Uh, and that's kind of what ended up happening to me. I, I, I was having a health crisis and needed to change doctors, you know, to transition to an adult cardiologist. And um, it's, it's, it's not ideal. You want to be able to have a, a relationship established with a specialist before you need to go in for another surgery. So um, it's always important to be proactive. And I, I, it's hard because like, we don't want to define ourselves as our heart problem, right? We, we mm -hmm. want to like, especially if we grew up as kids with, with it always being a thing and we're always, you know, singled out um, as like the heart kid. Um, so as we become young adults, a lot of times, at least I'm speaking for myself, you, we kind of try to defy that identity and um, say, I'm just like everybody else and I don't need to focus on this. But um, the reality is, and it's not a bad thing, the reality is we are different and, and that is a good thing because like we were saying earlier of all the gifts that it gives us. Um, but what it does mean is we do need to always really think about our hearts um, in, in, in whatever kind of big decisions and life moves we make. Um, as much as we don't want to, um, I think it benefits us and all the people in our lives who love us, so. Yeah, absolutely, that was very inspiring. Thank you so much for that information. <laughs> Is there anything else you would like to share? Um, just uh, whether you, I guess I'd say to all the listeners, whether you have CHD or not, um, feel free to check out our website, achaheart.org. 
Um, we've got a lot of great resources and I'll even say like I we have a great um, preparing for surgery guide that I've actually shared with some of my friends who don't have congenital heart disease but are preparing for a big surgery just because a lot of the, there's a lot of crossover in, you know, preparing for a big surgery and a hospitalization and recovery at home. Um, and we have a great guide to preparing for surgery that our peer mentors created. It's on our website and our resources. There's just a lot of um, fantastic um, information and resources to support you as a patient in order for you to become your own best advocate. And I think that really, regardless what your chronic illness is, um, I think we all need to be informed and and to be um, aware of not only our condition, but um, the medical advances that are happening so quickly out there and just being um, able to advocate for ourselves. Um, and so that's really what we try to do and encourage is for everyone to be their own best advocate. Thank you so much, Emily, for coming onto the podcast. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Naomi. This was a real pleasure. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you.